learn how to tell stories that get someone to feel something, not just that communicates information, but that gets like emotions involved and the heart involved. When that happens, that's when you start seeing longer viewing sessions. That's when you start getting more watch time, higher audience retention. And all those are the signals that Google really looks for to surface content in the first place. So we can spend a lot of time talking technical stuff, but that storytelling element and the human element of videos is, and branding even, is what really gets people engaged in watching more. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Tim Schmoyer, who is the CEO and founder of Video Creators and a bunch of other stuff. I followed his stuff for quite a while. Whenever I'm looking to get better at video, I turn to Tim's content. So Tim, how's it going? Hey, man. Going pretty good. How are you? Doing well. So yeah, Tim, why don't you give us a little background on kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So 2005, I started dating this girl. I was in grad school halfway across the country from the rest of my rest of my family. And I was like, man, I wish I had like I want to introduce her to my family back home. And at that time I had just started this little thing called blog on a thing called WordPress. And I was using it primarily the way most people use Facebook today. I was just posting pictures and writing posts about like what I was doing for just for family and friends. And then I heard about this thing called YouTube and I was like, oh, let me make a, like a little video introducing my girlfriend to my family back home. I uploaded it to YouTube, put on my blog and we just kind of kept going, kept telling stories about us out on dates, going out to eat, things like that. And before long, that was in March 2nd, 2006 was the first one. So about 12 years ago now. And other people started watching these videos. I'm like, who are you? Why are you watching my video? Like, this is creepy. It's like, uh, so I tried to figure out like, how is this thing working? Where are these people coming from? Why are they watching? And make a long story short for you guys. It turns out that other people were asking those questions and were being referred to me. And so I started YouTube's first YouTube educational channel, teaching people how to, how YouTube works and how to grow an audience on YouTube in 2011. And by that time we were doing a million some views a month on that, that little channel we had first started. And today we have worked with America's top 50 brands. We've helped clients uh, collectively earn over a billion views all organically. We've grown our own channels and we've had a lot of success and a lot of fun, not just growing YouTube channels, but ultimately for what I believe in, which is using it as a platform to reach people and change their lives. So it's been a lot of fun to, to go on that journey and start a little video. And now today my girlfriend and I are married and we live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we managed somehow to have seven kids in eight years. <laughs> so our oldest is eight years old. Our youngest is seven weeks old now. So just starting to sleep a little bit. 
Jeez. So congratulations on your success and congratulations, not only just in business, but in family life as well. So I remember when I first started watching your stuff, it was another channel and I think you have multiple channels. So why the decision to make video creators and why the decision to have multiple channels? Well, the channels, uh, and I have more than two, I have multiple channels, but uh, those two target different audiences and deliver different value to those audiences. So to have one channel that's targeting young moms and telling stories that are encouraging them and giving them ideas for, they're like, Hey, I only have two kids and I'm pulling out my hair. How does he do it with seven kids ages eight and under? Um, and it's, so that those stories are a different value than on video creators, which are people who want to learn. How do I grow a channel on YouTube? How do I get views? How do I get discovered? How do I get subscribers? How do I convert that into traffic on my website or landing pages or whatever? That's a different value for a different audience. So um, if I put all of it on one channel, some pe- I would have to train subscribe. One, it would be hard to grow. But two, people who did subscribe would be like, I subscribed for this. Why are you giving me that? You know, and vice versa. So got it. So what I'm hearing is, you know, it, it's, it's important to kind of focus in the topics. Otherwise, you kind of risk diluting your audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You need, you, they need to subscribe. When they subscribe, they're subscribing to get a specific value that's something that's a value to them, whether it's a relational value in the terms of like a vlogging or gaming channel or an entertainment value or an educational value. So if you start mixing up people like, Hey, I subscribed to you for this. Why are you giving me that? And they're kind of, you start training them. Hey, you don't need to watch every video I publish. And they start mix and matching and that's not good. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. So on the other podcast I have with uh, with Neil Marketing School, we always talk about the importance of building a brand, and I think YouTube is a really strong way to to build a brand. I mean, we we talk about the the concept of being of being omnipresent. So you're really good at getting views, building an audience on YouTube. You've done it multiple times already, so it's clear that you have a formula that works. And I actually want to, want to go into that framework in a little bit. Uh, but I'm just curious how do you how do you make money? How do you monetize right now um, with all the stuff that you have going on? Off of well, both channels are have different things going on that that make money, but there's a there's lots of different revenue streams from from YouTube. All you know, it kind of depends on the value you're you're proposing and and things like that. But for me personally, at at video creators, there's um, about ten different monetization streams that I have. Of course, there's AdSense revenue that just kind of comes through YouTube, just kind of passively. And then there's product sales that I have, which are, you know, people who are wanting to grow their YouTube channel and they want to get an ebook or a video course that helps them step-by-step kind of go through that process. Um, there's consulting that I do. Um, in fact, that's what I just got off of a consulting call with a television producer um, just a few minutes ago and they're trying to get into YouTube. Um, so a lot of one of that, one-on-one uh, consulting. There's uh, brand deals, which is where brands pay me to talk about them in my videos. Uh, I also get like do speaking gigs at different events around the country and get paid to do those. One that I didn't really expect and didn't do intentionally, but has actually been growing a lot recently is licensing deals where different brands will want to use clips, mostly from my family's vlogging channel that they find like really cute or inspirational. They'll, they, they'll pay, you know, on average, around $5,000 a clip just to use five to 10 seconds of one of your videos in their commercial or their sponsorship or promo or, or something like that. And then there's also affiliate marketing that you guys know about. There's Patreon. Um, I got a good group of those people who support my channel on there. And I've got 
live events that I host here in Cincinnati. People pay. I got like ongoing consulting, like one year partnerships with my team where we put together action plans and kind of hand, do a lot of handholding and give them plans each month. Here's what you do today, this month on your channel, this month and meetings. There's just a lot of different ways you can monetize, but that's bit in a nutshell. Is that overwhelming? <laughs> it's kind of to me when I say all that, I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, I need to slow down. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're good, man. So I guess I'm guessing, well, you know, you have 10 or 11 or so, but there's probably maybe, you know, one or two or three that bring in the, the, the bulk of it, right? Or is it kind of evenly spread? Um, it's different on different channels. On the video creators channel, about 30% of it is product sales. And then I'm doing this off the top of my head here. I don't have the the exact graph right in front of me. And then probably another 30% is um, the consulting. And then there's a, a big chunk of it is live events and then Patreon and affiliates and licensing, speaking brand deals and AdSense. Those kind of all filter in the rest of it. They're kind of split between those. Cool. So you you mentioned you've driven you know over a billion views for just kind of collectively. What um, what other numbers can you share around the business? Uh, maybe subscribers, and you can share revenues, growth rates, anything like that. Just anything you're open with sharing. Man, you know I have a lot of stories I could t- <laughs> tell you. Uh, some of my favorite ones, though. Um, well, let me give you some of the number ones, and then I want to tell you s- some of the ones I actually like more. Um, some of the number ones is we. I worked with one guy. He was um, high level CEO at an executive in a a company and the company folded and for him to kind of look for that type of level job again, it takes, you know, sometimes years to land that. So he came to me, he's like, Tim, I don't have anything going on right now. I heard I can make money on YouTube. How do I do this? He had no channel at all. And he comes to me and we do this um, consultation and give him this action plan. Here's step by step. Here's what you do. And he went from zero subscribers and zero views and six months later, he was doing 15 million views a month. By the end of 12 months, he was doing 30 million views a month. And he was generating close to forty to $50,000 a month in AdSense revenue. And he's like, Tim, I'm no longer looking for a CEO job. This is paying way better. <laughs> Wow. So, uh, so, so he, he's, he's been a full-time YouTube creator now ever since we did that with another channel too. They went to about 60 million views in nine months. And, uh, again, from zero, from scratch, it was, uh, two guys and, and another uh, partner on that one. And they worked their butts off and got them again to that, to that place. So, Okay. Uh, we've taken channels to over a million subs in less than a year as well. Um, all organic, doing zero paid promotion, just all organic growth on YouTube. So those are some fun stat ones. Um, the stories I like the most, though, are the ones um, – yeah, I, I really got passionate about YouTube – um, back when my, my girlfriend and now wife and I were just kind of making some, you know, dinky little vlogs and I started like hearing stories from people like, um, we would be out, uh, I think we we're in Texas at this time and some, like a, like a sophomore type age girl came up in college, came up to us and said, Hey, you don't know me, but I've been watching your videos on YouTube and I just wanted to let you know that. Like I've really, I, I found that I really changed the standard of the types of guys that I date now as a result of watching your videos. And, so <laughs> and I was like, what? How did that? Like we were not going for that at all. And I didn't ask her where her standard was before or anything, but I just figured up was a good direction. 
we get emails from uh, another favorite email I got is this, this lady emailed me and she's like, um, I just got married two months ago and my husband and I were already struggling in our relationship and I'm not sure if we're going to make it. But, um, I saw that video where you and your wife were just talking about how you're learning to love each other better. And I, sh- I shared it with my husband we talked about it and we have hope again for our marriage. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I was like, what, how did that happen? <laughs> you know? Yep. And, and I had lots of stories, people who didn't commit suicide because of videos we've done people who, um, like one, one story is a, a front of my favorites is a guy who was on disability. He had dyslexia really bad. So he had a very hard time reading and writing, but he had, he's doing a gaming channel on YouTube and he was suicidal. And, he, and so he said, Tim, I started watching your videos of video creators. And because of you, uh, I grew from being a little gaming channel to having over a hundred thousand subscribers. Now, um, I'm off disability. I'm supporting myself full time on my channel. I feel like I have dignity and value again to offer. And because of all the YouTube comments I was getting now, I had to learn how to read and write, which I feel really proud of myself that I can do that now. And he said that all it was due to a process that you had a part in and wants to say thank you. I'm like, dude, that's what it's all about. You know, it's like views and money I think are awesome. But ultimately for me, those are just tools we use to reach people and impact their lives. And that's like the main goal for me. So I get excited about those stories. Yeah, you know, I learned this concept of the the unsolicited response rate or the URR, the URR, which I've talked about in the past, which is basically when you're first starting out, maybe the first year or two, you're not getting much traction with whatever content you're creating. Could be blogging, could be vlogging, whatever it is, right? And what happens is you're going to start getting emails or tweets from people saying, I don't know why you don't get more listens, but like this has changed my life. And that's what you're talking about basically, and that's what keeps people going. And honestly, like the for me, it's like an endorphin or adrenaline rush, whatever you you want to call it, it, it's, it feels better than it, it just makes it all worth it at the end. That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. You know, I could grow my channel faster and bigger than I, than I am, but my channel at video creators, um, it's about the, the tagline or the kind of value prop is proposition is uh, master YouTube, spread your message. Most people don't believe that with me. If most people would get more excited about master YouTube, make more money, master YouTube, feel more popular, master YouTube, I don't know, have the internet satisfy some deep insecurity of mine or something like that. But, and, and those, and there are channels out there who are doing that and are growing faster than me and doing, doing a great job. I have nothing against those channels at all. That's just not what I personally get excited about. And I would rather spend my time working with creators who share that belief with me, who share that value. And I get more excited about helping those creators than I do just like, if I put $2 into the system, can I get $5 out? Whereas like, how do I extract value from this thing rather than how do I give value? And so because of that, I tend to work with those types of people and I love what I do more. So that's the way I pitch it. And that's the way I get really excited about personally. Got it. Makes sense. And for, I mean, for this podcast, I mean, pe- people are really interested in, you know, the marketing and, you know, how much more, how much money can you make kind of thing. So is there any kind of like benchmark numbers? Like if you get a hundred thousand subscribers, 200,000 or whatever, you can expect to make this much. They're probably wondering that. You know, that question and the answer fluctuates too much. It depends on things like the business model you, you wrap around your channel. I have friends, uh, true story. Okay. I I worked with a guy he has, well had at the time around, uh, six and a half, I think million subscribers on YouTube. And he came to me saying, Tim, 
uh, I'm struggling to make this work. <laughs> and so we, we went through a process together, it was, um, several, several months long and about, um, within the end of about a year and a half later, it was no longer him just living off that and struggling and working 80, literally late 80 hours a week, trying to keep it all moving. But we put a team around it. We, you know, he got his, his, um, business model kind of fixed and things. And, uh, now he has a full time staff of 19 people who do everything. All he does is show up once a week, shoot the videos. They, he shoots whatever they tell him to shoot. And then he goes home and spends the rest of the week with his family. So, there's some channels that have millions of subs who are just getting by. And then there's other channels like mine at video creators. I only had 3000 subscribers. I, I got, let's see, I launched it in February and the, of 2013. And by June 15th, 2013, which is when I lost my, I was doing audience development on YouTube full time for another company. And that job kind of phased out. And that, so I launched off of, I launched out on video creators full time at that point. And uh, it was earning $10,000 a month with only 3,000 subs. Wow. So um, it, re- it really depends on the business model that you're going after. So to give you a range, though, it could be anywhere from nothing to I have friends who have 100,000 subs who are making over $100,000 a month. You know, and I have friends who are have millions of subscribers who are making like $10,000 a month. So it has less to do with like, there's not a direct correlation between audience size and revenue earned. It's more about like the, the business model you wrap around that audience and how you kind of deliver good value, but also have a system for capturing good value in return. Got it. Love it. Okay. So I, I want to talk about, I mean, you know, the, the, the marketing nerds like myself, like, like frameworks, right? So, and you've done a lot of videos on this. And so I recommend everyone check out video creators because a lot of these questions Tim's been asked like multiple times and he's actually answered multiple times. But for the sake of the podcast, I mean, what's, uh, and I'm going to try to break this up a little bit. So if somebody is trying to go from, let's say one to 10,000 subscribers or so, or even higher than that, I mean, what are kind of the, the must do things that people kind of will ignore? Yeah, um, that's today's video, actually. <laughs> uh, it hasn't been published yet, but uh, let's see if I can remember my, my notes. Now I got this. So there's a few things to to focus on for this that most people ignore. One, I think captioning your videos is important, not because of the keyword stuff, which is what most people focus on or trying to get deaf people to listen or watch, but it's more about most people who use captions actually speak English very well, or they might be an English as a second language type person. But even people who speak English perfectly well, most of them turn on captions so they can follow along better. And so that'll give you more watch time, which is watch time is like one of the number one metrics YouTube looks at to know how valuable this video is for people and determine how they promote it across the platform. So captions can be helpful for that. Another thing a lot of people miss is that they spend a lot of time on their on making content that they think is amazing and then they put like 5 minutes into the thumbnail and title <laughs> which it doesn't matter how amazing your video is if people aren't enticed to click on it in the first place. Right. And so I'm not talking about clickbait here. I'm talking about like you need to strategically before you even like plan out, before you even start shooting your video, you need to know exactly what got people into that video in the first place. So you need to back up and think like, okay, what's the title for this video going to be? What thumbnail do I need to capture for this video? And then how do I open the first 15 seconds of this video in a way that affirms for the viewer that yes, what you clicked expecting to get is coming in this video. And so that, 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 
So when they click, they keep watching rather than clicking. And then the thing that was pitched in the title and thumbnail doesn't really come to like four minutes into the video. Like you've lost everyone at that point, right? Right. So doing it the other way, playing your title and your thumbnail before you start shooting the video so that you can make those three things connect and, and actually pose your thumbnail, like stage it, take the picture, Photoshop it. And that was my Tuesday's video actually on my channel was how to some design hacks that will get your thumbnails, more clicks and things. So titles and thumbnails are very important. And then, yeah, planning that hook before you get started so that you can make it tie into the title and thumbnail. Uh, another thing that some people don't, they overlook is it's important. It's becoming more important anyway, I should say, to cut more often rather than having like a static one camera angle for three minutes of you just talking, the brain uh, needs to have something to reevaluate to keep it interested. So there's a reason like on television, every two to seven seconds or so, they'll cut to a different camera angle. They'll have like B-roll change. Something else comes on screen. It's something like, cause every time that happens, the brain's like, Oh, something changed. What happened? Oh, it changed again. Oh, now what's happening? You know? And it's just kind of like continually triggers the brain to, to stay engaged. So in YouTube, something similar is, is necessary to kind of keep cutting. Um, jump cuts is what's is very unprofessional, but that's what most people have been using on YouTube and it works on YouTube. Um, the jump cut is like we use a very jarring, unprofessional cut where it's like, say I was talking for a few minutes and then I pause, look at my notes, see what I'm going to say. And I turn back to the camera and start talking again. Like that pause, you just cut that out. Uh. And so it's just like, it just jumps. It's like, oh, what was that? As opposed to like a more smooth transition to a different camera angle when you start talking again or something that flows a little bit better. Got it. But it works because of the jarring nature of it, which is why you don't see it on television. And then the, and the final thing, and this is kind of like what most people are missing. When most people come to YouTube, they're, they're mostly like, how do I get that first 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 subs, views, whatever. Most people focus on like keyword optimization and tags and metadata and doing all this like keyword research. And ch like they're focusing on the technical aspects of YouTube and all those are valuable and important. But what the YouTube algorithm is designed to surface is content that people want to watch. People, content that gets people watching one video and then another video and then another video. And the keyword research and things, that's helpful for getting people into the video. But even if you have the most perfectly optimized content or titles and thumbnails and stuff, if the content itself isn't optimized to hook attention and keep their attention, you're going to have high abandonment rate, which is a very negative signal to Google. You're not going to get the watch time you need. And so the, the key skill that people today need to acquire in order to really make this work is storytelling. Learn how to tell stories that get someone to feel something, not just that communicates information, but that gets like emotions involved and the heart involved. When that happens, that's when you start seeing longer viewing sessions. That's when you start getting more watch time, higher audience retention. And all those are the signals that Google really looks for to surface content in the first place. So we can spend a lot of time talking technical stuff, but that storytelling element and the human element of videos is and branding even is what really gets people engaged in watching more. Got it. And do you have any books or channels or podcasts that might help people learn how to tell stories better? Yeah, I've, I've been digging into this my, personally on a number of different levels for a lot of different reasons. So um, a good book that helped me get started is called um, Long Stories Short by Margot Lightman. 
she's like number one. Like, you know, like they have stand up comedy scenes where people just get up on stage and tell jokes and stuff. Yep. I didn't even know that there's, there's a storytelling scene like that where you get up on stage and you pick a topic out of a bowl and then you have to tell a story for seven to 10 minutes about that, about that, that topic about dating or food or something. And so she's like one, like the past seven years in a row, like the global storytelling, like uh, contests and things. And so that's her book, Margot Lightman. She wrote that book. And then I have a podcast with her on my podcast and video creators podcast where I interviewed her for like an hour just talking about storytelling elements and things like that too. So be able to check that out. And then there's um, another book that I just finished, which was really, really helpful. It's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller. And that was really helpful for me learning how to, um, he had a feature length film made about his life and he learned a lot about storytelling when, while editing his life story. And it was, it was really good, really helpful. And then another one by Donald Miller is, is, is a, more of a branding book, but it's how do you incorporate stories into your brand that gets people to feel something and associate emotion with your brand. It's called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. That was a really good one as well. And there's other ones too, but, all, but those are probably some of the most helpful ones that, that I've really dug into. Love it. We'll drop those all in the show notes for sure. Just a couple more questions as we wrap work towards wrapping up here. So here's, here's a selfish question. I mean, right now, you know, our YouTube channel is at about 6,200 subscribers or so. Just started really putting more effort probably in August or so. We grew from about 3,000. Now we're at 6,200. So the thing is, I have two podcasts that are automatically kind of posted to YouTube. And then we do native, we've been doing um, kind of native YouTube videos that we just post actually on there. And we've kind of just been struggling. Like, you know, we will get views, you know, we'll get the subscribers, but, you know, each video maybe gets like, you know, maybe a couple hundred if we're, if we're lucky or so. So, and we post every day. Um, so I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, like, is it the fact that we're posting our podcast there and it's not in its YouTube, you know, kind of optimized for YouTube that's kind of holding us back? I don't know what it is, but, you know, you're the video expert here. So I thought you might know. Well, it's hard without actually looking at the channel. If you can drop me a link, I'll be happy to look it up while we talk here. But just based on what you said regarding the podcast is, yeah, podcasts don't tend to do that well on YouTube. It depends on how you're doing it. Like, is it just a static image while you're talking? Yep. And it's just the audio, basically? Uh Uh-huh. So that's like probably the worst way to do it, just to be honest. <laughs> like a, a, a slightly better way would be to like record a video podcast and put that there. But even then, like 95% of the value is actually just in the audio. So uh, you can put that there. What you want to make sure that doesn't happen is that you unintentionally design your audience to feel like, I don't have to watch every video this guy does. I can pick and choose between like, okay, I don't really like the vlogging ones. I like these or I I do like the vlogging ones and not those. And it's really less about the style of content and more about the value that's being delivered. So you can do vlogs, you can do skits, you can do podcasts, as long as it all delivers the same value. But I've found personally that podcasts, like the people who are in the podcast don't go to YouTube for podcasts. They go, they go to YouTube for other things. And, and people who are on YouTube looking to watch something, they're not looking just to listen to something there. They want to watch something. And so I have found that podcasts don't perform that well on the channel. So just based on what you said, I would 
probably not post those there, but instead maybe do highlights or talk about it in your vlogs and just tend send people to iTunes to listen to the whole thing. Interesting. The other thing you said that kind of triggered something for me is, and I don't, I think I can quote you exactly because I can't do an instant replay of this right now. But I think you said something along the lines of like YouTube's not optimized or they're not optimized for YouTube or something like that. The Yeah, the I mean, the um, the podcasts aren't for sure. So it's just an image like you mentioned. Yeah, what I would the way, and that's the way most people think about this is how do I optimize for YouTube? But kind of going back to the storytelling and the human element of what makes social media social is like I, I encourage people to optimize for people, optimize for humans. Like when you when you write your titles and you make your thumbnails and you write your metadata and when you shoot your videos, think less about how do I optimize this for YouTube, but how do I make this valuable and good for people? Because when you do that, that's when the algorithm really, that's when it gets the, the signals it really wants in the first place. And so optimize for, for humans, not robots is the principle there. Cool. So even that means like you don't exactly get every keyword in there, um, which a lot of people don't understand. It's like YouTube, it's been years, like 2012 maybe, since YouTube has been like about keyword matching, probably even earlier than that. It's been a long time. So if you search YouTube for like music videos, one of the results you'll get is Billboard Top 100, like a playlist for Billboard Top 100. There's no keyword matching there, but you, you can see how that's a good, a relevant search result because Google uses something called user intent, which is not just what are the words they type in, but what are they actually looking for? And so a, a better, um, a, it's better to have a, a title that when someone sees it in search or suggested videos, they want to click on it as opposed to making sure you've got all your keywords in there. That's kind of a side rant here. But when I'm looking at your thumbnails, just kind of briefly here, it's got... Well, first of all, all the podcast ones basically look the same. Wait, they're not podcast ones. It's these. It's like what I learned by spending hundred or eleven thousand on YouTube. Like all of those, you and you and Neil, you're both there. Same text, yeah. Font. They like all those thumbnails blend together. So if someone's browsing YouTube, it would be if someone had to be paying very close attention to know that I want to click on this video versus that video. And so you like, you want each of your videos to kind of look like they stand separate. Same with these growth ones with the arrow on them. Like each video needs to be represented differently. The vlogs are the same thing. It's kind of like your face with some background and some text on it, but it's not teasing a story. The title kind of says like, should you hire experts or training new people? But the thumbnail doesn't look like it has anything to do with that. You know, and now you have hiring a players on it, but you already kind of said that in the title. So I think you should, that would be performed better with a thumbnail on it that looks like, like hiring versus training somehow, or re or rewrite that title to reflect something that could fit better with the, with an engaging thumbnail. But, um, that's what I mean. Like the title, the thumbnails and the first 15 seconds all need to connect. And, and then you have these thumbnails that are white and those just blend into the background on YouTube. There's less of a, of a perceived clickable real estate area on those images because the white just disappears. So it looks like there's two heads popping up. So, yeah, so the main thing I would look at just as a first glance here is to make design thumbnails that are unique for each video and that pitch the value and tease the story in a unique way. 
Got it. Love it. And just so everyone, I mean, you know, we could go on on this all day, but we don't have all day. And in in the interest of your time, too, there's also uh, Noah Kagan did an interview with you. It's basically he just did his consulting call and then posted as a podcast, I believe. Um, That was really insightful. Um, I actually shared that with my team and we we took a lot of those. So I recommend everyone Google and we'll drop this in the show notes, too. Just Google Noah Kagan, Tim Schmoyer, and you should be able to find the podcast episode. That's freaking golden. And well, yeah, I mean. Noah posted it, so go listen to it. He paid for it too. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know. He, I knew he was recording it, but I didn't know he was going to post it. I was kind of surprised and like, oh, well, I would have, because we were screen sharing, walk, walking through his channel. So I'm just pointing out, you see this here? And like the audio is like, just to see this here where like the audience can't, they have no idea what I'm pointing at. So I'm like, ah, oh well. Well, he, he did on, he did the YouTube too. Yeah, it was, it was really good, which is actually why, why like I reached out a while back to, to do this, because, um, well, I, I think it's, it'd be kind of, to dive into a little more. Um, but anyway, so wrapping up here, just a few more questions. What is one new tool? I guess it could be your favorite tool too. What's your favorite tool or one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value for you? Ooh, as far as YouTube is concerned or business in general or what? Does not matter? Business in general or YouTube doesn't really matter. I've added a few new tools. One that's just been helpful for us lately, hashtag not sponsored, <laughs> is um, Help Scout. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, for support. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we don't use it for support. We just use it to like manage all the email that comes in every day. And so I have a few people on my team. Um, well, yeah, a few people on my team, but one person who manages the email, then she just assigns it to me or to another one of the YouTube strategists on my team or just whoever's on the team that needs to respond to it. So that's helped us streamline a lot of the email that comes in. She just looks at it and assigns it to whoever it's for as opposed to each of us having our separate inboxes and forwarding things back and forth and then CCing someone in, like it was just kind of, it was getting crazy. So we just use it for our general inbox now, which has helped us streamline a lot of things and save some time. Love it. That's great. Cool. And just, I, I just remember something. I mean, you know, Neil and I actually been separately, so he has his own channel, obviously, uh, but we've been running ads for our channels and we just noticed like, you know the the subscriber count when we look at a social blade for example which is a you know a tool to see kind of how youtube's going we see that the subscriber growth accelerates quite a bit but that's actually not reflected in the the youtube advertising kind of platform so what are your thoughts on that uh this is a big conversation i don't know how far you want to go into it but the short version i guess to summarize it, summarize it is i would not be paying for advertising yet and the reason for that is there's um, there's a lot of reasons, but the, the biggest reason is that it's like put money on something when you know it's going to perform well. So if you're putting a lot of money into it right now, like some people, most people assume that their only problem or their main problem is exposure and that the content, the titles, everything's like perfect. The story, the videos are all great. The only problem, the only problem is exposure. And that is very rarely the case. YouTube will surface for free content that people find valuable to the people who want to watch it. And so if that's not happening, putting money on top doesn't automatically magically make it start working, you know? So you, you might just be, and I'm not saying this is true in your case, cause I haven't looked in your campaigns and your content yet, but uh, that's generally speaking, that's true. I think I've only found one case out of all the channels I worked with that that's not true for. Got it. So I would probably stop and focus more on the, how do I get this growing organically and and then once I know that it's working, then put money on top because when you pay to promote something that you already know works, then it goes off like 
rapid like wildfire. That's that's the approach I take. And but then most people find that they don't need to do pay promotion because it's working just fine organically now. You know, and they get to 15 million views a month in six months without doing any pay promotion. So uh, that's probably what I would focus on as far as the paid stuff is concerned. Um, the other thing about paid is that it typically can get you more subscribers and some and views, but it's not like the type of engaged subscriber or viewer that will keep watching more and more of your content. So you can boost some numbers a little bit, but if you're actually trying to build an engaged community of people who subscribe and want to watch every video you do, it's much harder to do it that way because people who are who are coming in from advertising are usually coming in with different values, different things they're looking for. And so just the nature I found um, about 1% of the subscribers and views that are earned from paid campaigns ends up being a long-term viewer of the channel. Got it. Well, I was just considering dropping $30,000 on YouTube advertising, but I think you have um, well, caused me to go back and think about it. Uh, drop it on us instead. We'll help you. We'll, we'll, we'll help you get do better. <laughs> cool. We'll talk about it later. Uh, what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Primal Branding by Patrick Hanlon, hands down. So on YouTube, you ever hear this like, why is that? Why is that channel doing so much better than mine? Like their videos are terrible, and yet they're getting like thousands of views, and I'm struggling to get ten. And like, why is that happening? Or it's like, why does that musician? go double platinum and sell out concert venues when they're actually a really terrible musician, you know, or why is that inferior product outselling the superior product? Um, and it really comes down to the story that the brand tells to their audience around the product or the service, or in this case, our videos. And when you read that book, you'll be like, that's why that channel is growing faster than me. They have like these elements of a story that makes it easy for someone to love them and what they're all about and want to follow everything they do. And so he looks at all the top brands that have developed cult-like followings. And he asks, what made it easy for these brands? What made it easy for people to fall in love with this brand? What did they do? And it comes down to seven aspects of the primal code, he calls it. And the channels that are just killing it on YouTube have at least four or five of these firing on all cylinders of the seven. So I'd highly recommend you read that book and then figure out how do we integrate this part this part of the promo code into our content, this part of the code into our branding and so on. And uh, it'll make a big difference. Got it. This is by uh, Patrick Hanlon. Patrick Hanlon. Yep. It's called Primal Branding. It's uh, one of the first things when I work ongoing, like an ongoing relationship with the channel. It's one of the first things I have them do is read that book and we discuss it, but uh, you can read it just as easily on your own and um, jot down some notes. Cool. Is that, is this audiobook consumable? I haven't listened to the audio book. I got the paper book and like just r- ripped it all up with notes. <laughs> so got it. But there's got to be an audio book of it. I'm I'm sure. Okay, cool. Uh, what what I was asking is, um, is do you think it's actually something that's just listenable to? It's not like super like technical. Oh yeah, you could just totally listen to it. Yeah. Okay, cool, perfect. Well, Tim, this has been fantastic. Um, if you want to be respectful of your time, we went over. So sorry about that. But what's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, you can check out youtube.com slash video creators. And that's where I train people how to grow their YouTube audience so they can spread a message that reaches people and changes their lives. Um, or on Twitter at Tim Schmoyer works as well. So either place. All right, Tim. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.